Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. Hope Elam, whether you're here in the room worshiping with us today, upstairs or downstairs, or worshiping with us online, we want to welcome you in from wherever you're watching from and say a very early Merry Christmas to all of you. We are so glad that you are here. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here and honored to dig into God's word with you today. Some powerful questions, some thought-provoking questions in that opening video. And I want to begin with this one this morning, wherever you're at, and just set the tone for today. When is the last time that you were filled with wonder? When is the last time that you were filmed with overwhelming childlike wonder and awe and joy? God wants to fill you. He wants to restore your sense of wonder this season and fill you with a life changing joy. And that is the invitation that Jesus has for us this Christmas. In fact, today we light the fourth candle. If you've been keeping score at home, or maybe you have one of these at home, whether this is your tradition or not, it's not about tradition. It's about what the tradition points to, and that's Jesus. The only candle that's not lit is the center one, which is the white one, the Christ candle, if you're unfamiliar uh, with that. So wait for it. That's coming uh, this next week on the 23rd and the 24th. But today we light the fourth candle, which is the joy candle. We've been on this journey because it helps us build up this waiting and this anticipation through the season of Advent to get to Christmas. We started out by talking about the hope candle, the hope that we have in Jesus, and then the, the discovering the Prince of Peace. Last week, Pastor Hurst gave a powerful sermon about the power of love, God's love for us so that we can extend that to other people. And if you didn't catch that last week, I would encourage you to do that. You can watch any of the previous messages uh, online on the Hope Elam YouTube page uh, anytime a couple days after each weekend. And so as I watch that video again today, I cannot help but think, When is the last time that I was filled with wonder? And maybe I'm not the only one. And the reason I pose that question is because this season is supposed to be filled with joy and wonder. Notice I said it's supposed to be filled with joy and wonder, right? We sing joy to the world. We sing it's the most Okay, you're a little bit better singers. Still, we've got to work on that. I don't know if we're ready to start a choir yet, but we'll get there, right? One more time, for those of you online, feel free to sing along. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Of the nights in your head for the rest of the day. It's the most wonderful time of the year, full of wonder. But I'm guessing if you're anything like me, it doesn't always feel that way. We, we're, we're said it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be a time of joy and cheer and fun. We're doing our best this morning. If you're watching online or seen anybody up here in ugly Christmas sweaters or seen anybody out there in some interesting, I mean, Santa's here today. I mean, everybody's here. Everybody wants to worship at Hope Elam uh, this morning. Uh, we're, we're doing a ugly sweater themed day today. So we don't have a terrible sense of style. And if you're like, this isn't an ugly sweater. This is what I was going to wear. You just do you. That's great. That's awesome. We're so thankful that you're here. Whatever you're wearing, it's come as you are. And yet I'm reminded of that today. We're reminded that once upon a time, for those of you that maybe have kids or grandkids and can see Christmas and this time of year through their eyes, that this season was once filled with wonder. It was once filled with joy. I get a front row seat to this every week. Our kids are five and seven. This last week, you know, kind of, we got that big snow and then it was a little cold and we went out and it wasn't exactly wet enough to, it's not snowball snow, it's not fort building or snowman building. So I kind of put my dad hat on and say, I've got 45 minutes until it gets dark. What are we going to do? We've got all of our, our gear on. And so we have this sled 
And in our front yard, it's about the size of this part of the stage, not very big. And so I kind of make this track. I start pulling the kids around in this sled and the snow gets packed down well enough that it kind of forms this little racetrack and I'm the horse, I'm carrying them, I guess. And so I'm pulling them on the sleigh and we're, you know, I kind of go slow and then we get going a little bit faster. We're probably going 0.5 miles an hour, okay? But for them, it's like, it's the Indy 500. It's amazing. They're just spinning in circles and they're falling off. Let's do it again, let's do it again. And we get going and I'm pulling them and all of a sudden in this moment, I'm thinking in my grown-up mind, lacking wonder, when is this going to be done? Okay? (laughs) Just give me some grace. Parents, you ever been there? Okay? I'm cold. I'm tired. Okay? I'm getting dizzy. I'm exhausted. I'm about ready to throw up because I've just been going in circles now for about 15 minutes. Okay? And then just out of nowhere, as my kids are going 0.3 miles an hour, my daughter's uh, stocking hat falls off and her blonde hair is just flowing in the wind. Her cheeks are beet red and she just throws her hands in the air just unashamedly and says, this is the greatest day of my life! It's like, where does that come from? It's there. And it's still, and I'm not even talking about it. It's, oh, cute, Pastor John, cheesy, cute. Eh. I was reflecting about it afterwards honestly looking and assessing myself saying, I don't know if I have it in me to say that right now. Like, I don't know if my soul is in a condition to say that and mean it. And here's what I mean by that, because what she meant is I'm going to live fully into this moment and find joy right here, right now, without having to check my circumstances for how I feel. The things we can learn from kids— So many of you have had these moments, maybe over the past week, the past year, where you have felt like worshiping. Anybody? I mean, we just had a moment like that. And some of you are like, well, I don't know. I've never raised my hands in worship before. But some other, I feel the spirit moving, and I feel this sense of joy and gratitude rising up in me. But I'm just going to kind of do the, you know, the holding a loaf of bread kind of worship or something. I'm not going to go all the way up. I'm not going to go touchdown, right? But I see some people around me, and I feel rising up in me. Oh, but I've had a really hard week. I probably shouldn't. We're not calling you to check your circumstances. We don't worship just because if we feel joyful or not, we worship and in the presence of God, he brings his joy to us. That's the gift of Christmas. We don't have to check our circumstances first. And somewhere inside, I still know that I have that and so do you, even if you don't feel it today. Even if we opened up and we're singing, go tell it on the mountain, having a good old time up here and you're like, I don't want to tell it on the mountain. Pastor John, because can we be real? I'm not feeling it this morning. I came in here, my heart's heavy. I'm weary. I'm stressed. I mean, I'm a serious adult. Who has time for joy? Well, I hope we do. Because the truth is, is that we live in a world that is desperate for joy. And as I look around me at the many casualties of 2020 and all that it has meant, joy, it feels like, has been stolen from us. And has been replaced with skepticism and fear and cynicism. But the problem with this is that we can't live without joy. Just, it's, it's a human need. Just as we can't go very long without water or food, you and I were meant to run on joy. We were created for it. To long for, to desire joy. And I'm not talking about happiness, I'm talking about joy that's completely independent of our circumstances. They can yell from a sled, this is the greatest day of my life, kind of joy. 
We crave it. It's not a church thing. It's not a religious thing. It is a human thing to long for joy. And Jesus knows that. And that's why Jesus says this. John chapter 15, verse 9 through 11. Let's read it together nice and loud so we're engaged. Let's read it together. Now remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Everybody say complete. complete. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say complete. complete. Just so you know, the reason we do that call and response is because that's how our brains are psychologically wired. When we repeat things back and forth, it's how we learn. Complete. It's, 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 it's not kind of halfway there. It's not lacking. It's not empty. It's complete, not lacking anything. Not perfect, not always easy, but joy locked in. Not on the roller coaster of feelings and emotions, but locked in. But the problem is this morning is that joy is not the overwhelming theme of a lot of our lives. When the world out there often looks at Christians and looks at the church, I'm guessing that joy is not the predominant theme that just pops into your head. But when you think about it, if that's the way that Jesus describes us, if that's Jesus' heart for us, the church should be the most joy-filled place. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about faking and putting on the mask. I'm talking about real, deep, true joy. Whenever you are, whenever you go to an event or a gathering or something like that, whatever, when you come, when Christians show up, everybody should say, oh, good, the Christians are here. I have a feeling that's not the case. I think that's what Jesus longs for. Boy, nobody has a deep joy like them. Boy, nobody serves like them. Boy, nobody lifts the level in the room like them. Where did your joy go? It's there, but where did it go? Our, we, we start off as children with this childlike wonder and amazement at the adventure of the world. Life is not a math problem to be solved. It's an adventure to be lived. And somewhere along the line, we forget that. We grow up and we encounter the school bully. And we get hurt by a friend. We don't get into the school we want. We don't get the job we wanted. Our parents get separated. Somebody that we love dies. A relationship ends. We fall into that addiction. Life becomes a treadmill of activity. And sure, there's glimpses and moments of happiness along the way, but they just seem to come and go. For a lot of us, living cynical and jaded and skeptical at the world has become normal. And people would look and say, oh, that's just their personality. Actually, it's not. It's your response to the pain in your life. And it's never been a dream. Oh, that's just who I am. No, it's not. That's not how God made you. That's not how he created you. For some of us, when something goes wrong, we say something to ourselves like this. Of course that would happen to me. That's a wounded heart. And hurt people hurt people. We get wounded and we assume that the world is out to get us. When somebody offends us, we assume the worst. Some of us are so exhausted with the pace and the speed of our life, that we say this dangerous phrase, I guess that's just the way things are now. I have accepted that this is normal. I look at the world around me and everybody's stressed out and overwhelmed and running on, oh, I guess that's just how we have to be because it's 2020. And I want you to know I'm saying these things because I've been there. I'm the one looking at my little girl saying, John, what happened to your joy? Where did it go? I don't want to put on the mask. When somebody comes up to me after worship and says, how are you really doing? I might just say, okay, 
what? You're a pastor. You're just okay? Yeah. Because I could use some more joy. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm desperate for it. We're desperate for joy. I could use some more joy. I don't always live that way. Even for some of you to say, oh, John, it's not that bad. I, I, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Can you still hear the still, small, quiet voice of God that says, you know there's more. You know there's more. There is more, and God shows us more in his word. Amen? If you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. I know, a crazy place to start before Christmas, but that's where we're starting today. Philippians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, your Bible apps online here in the room, Philippians is way at the back of your Bible in the New Testament. After the Gospels, it's a very short book. We're going to get to Christmas. Hang with me. We'll get there. But Philippians chapter 1, we pick up the story, and Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, which he helped start, not in the comfort or security of his home or a private office. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a dark, cold jail cell in Rome. Okay? This is the context of Paul's life. He has been imprisoned by the Roman government for preaching the gospel. After all this, okay, this is after experiencing multiple beatings, floggings, being shipwrecked, and tortured for his faith. Seems like a great time to write a letter about joy, don't you think? And yet that's what he does. Some of you think, oh, Paul, he's a Bible hero. That's what you're speaking about, joy. Paul's life was anything but easy, anything but joy-filled. And so he has some clout to be able to speak to us today about this. And yet just in chapter 1, Verse 4, I always pray with joy. Verse 18, I continue to rejoice. Verse 25, my joy in the faith. Everybody say joy. Over and over this theme pops up. In the eyes of the world, this doesn't make sense. In the eyes of the world, they have no context for the book of Philippians. How can somebody that has experienced what Paul's experienced speak this much about joy and actually mean it? Because here's Paul's life, okay? If you put Paul's life in this circle and everything that it is, it's filled with prison and pain and he's poor and he's alone and he has trials and disappointments and he's got a dead end. And over here is joy. That's what the world would say. And that those, those things can't coexist. This is the circumstances of my life and joy is this elusive thing that's over here somewhere. And the world would say, until you get rid of some of this, then there's room for joy. Paul's life says, uh-uh, I'm actually taking joy and I'm putting it smack dab in the middle of my circumstances. I am writing this letter from jail and I'm experiencing it right here, right now. Not happiness. Don't be mistaken, it's not happiness. It's a deep down in the core of your soul joy and contentment that is completely independent of life's chances and changes. And that is the invitation of Jesus for you this Christmas. Because maybe you've missed it before, but right in the middle of the Christmas story, in the midst of smelly animals and a baby laying in the manger, don't miss it. Joy has come for you, okay? We're doing a little Bible study this morning. Keep your finger in Philippians. Flip over to Luke chapter 2, okay? We're digging in this morning. Luke chapter 2 to the Christmas story, okay? We read of this angel's announcement to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great what? Joy. joy. Everybody say joy. Great joy. Some of you are like, joy. We've got, we got some work to do, people. Okay? Cause great joy for all the people. So if we want this great joy, then we need to experience this good news. And what is that good news? It's the next verse, verse 11. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news that brings great joy this Christmas is not that fleeting moments of happiness can be found. That you can feel the warm fuzzies once a year with your family gathered round. The good news is not that we should live with some sort of naive attitude and say, well, the world's really not that bad. Or that we can detach ourselves as Christians from this dark, broken world. The good news is that we have received this Christmas what we need the most, a savior. Not a a political party, not as people love to say online, positive vibes. Somebody posts a prayer request online and people say, sending prayers and positive vibes your way. I don't even know what those are and if they can travel on the internet. What are positive vibes? I don't know about you, but when my soul is weary and I'm desperate for joy, I don't need positive vibes. I need the one who is joy, Jesus himself. I need the joy of Jesus. That's what he offers us this Christmas. Joy is now accessible to you. That's why we have the manger up here. To think about it, that baby is born in a feeding trough. This teenage girl picks up the God of the universe, the one, the embodiment of joy. And now joy is as accessible to you this morning as the baby was to Mary's chest. Have you ever thought about the fact that in that moment, A teenage girl from an obscure town who didn't think that she was up to the task was the first one to literally feel the heartbeat of God. You think that joy is somehow inaccessible for you because of what experience you're in? Of how messy, of how painful your life is? That's the Christmas story in a nutshell. Joy, surprised by joy, there it is. And you may notice, John, I think you guys forgot something in your Christmas set. There's no baby. Like, that's the most important part, right? The manger's empty for a reason. Because Christmas is just the beginning. That baby became a man who is our Savior, who died on a Roman cross and three days later rose again, winning an overwhelming victory over sin and death to secure life for us now and forever. Amen. There is a deeper joy and a deeper peace that is available to us because this world is not all there is. My circumstances won't last. And that's why I can declare that we can declare this morning with with Paul from a jail cell, I am filled with joy. I am filled with joy. I can declare from a sled in, in the front yard, this is the best day ever. And I can mean it. Not because of anything that I have or that I don't have, but because anything that this world could and ever throw at me will not last. Pain, heartache, fear, even death. And that's where the joy comes from. That's where the joy comes from this morning. That's why we, that's why we celebrate and go all out. People ask, man, you guys really go all out. I mean, dressed to the nines in here. Half, you know, three-fourths of the church is not comfortable coming to worship yet, and yet you guys have just dressed this place to the hilt. This place was meant to be decorated for Christmas, by the way. It's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah, praise God for that. 
Our team has been working behind the scenes for over a month getting ready for these Christmas Eve services online this next week, and they will be not any less impactful just because they're online. God's spirit is going to move, and you're, gonna, you're not going to want to miss that. And to get you ready for that, we would ask that you come the next two nights here, Monday and Tuesday, and drive through and pick those up. If you get them today, that's great. Here's my challenge to you that are in the room. Who are you used, sitting, used to sitting next to at worship? but they're not here. 80% of our congregation has not been able to be in a church building for close to a year now. Will you invite them to simply come and drive through the parking lot so that we can pray for you? If you're out there right now, this is for you. We want to connect with you. The least we can do is give you a candle for Christmas Eve and pray a blessing over you and your family. Would you give us that honor and that privilege to do that for you? That is the least that we can do for you. We love you as a church and we miss you. Who needs that invitation? Inviting somebody to Christmas Eve has never been easier. Some of you are like, geez, I got to bake a quiche and go knock on their door. Hit share on Facebook, people. It doesn't get any easier than that, okay? Invite somebody. Who needs to experience the joy of Jesus? Invite them. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you because this morning you're saying, John, I, I get it, I get the Christmas story, but I just can't do that. I, I, I can't muster that up this morning. I'm not feeling the joy these days. And I hear you and I feel that. And my challenge to you this morning is don't leave it there. Let's dig a little bit deeper. And for the time we have left, I want to ask the question, why? Not just, I don't have my joy anymore. Where did it go? What are the things that get in the way? What are the thieves of joy. There's three main ones that come to mind. The things in our lives for all of us in whatever season of life you're in that get in the way of joy. The first one is this. The first thief of joy is living unaware. Living unaware. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, you may have heard of a story. There's a guy named Moses. His friends called him Mo. Just leave that joke right out there if anybody wants to take it. Genesis chapter 3, and he comes upon this bush, and it's burning. It's burning up. The presence of the living God all of a sudden starts speaking to him in this bush. Now, Moses had been tending this same area for close to 40 years. He's, been, he's probably walked past this bush hundreds and thousands of times. And now, all of a sudden, God declares this. Moses, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Maybe God is saying to Moses, the ground has always been holy, but Moses is just now becoming aware of it. What if there's a holy ground in your life and you're just missing it? What if joy is available for you and you're just missing it? Earlier in the book of Genesis, there's a story about a man named Jacob who's on a journey. He stops at this random cave along the side of the road and he believes that, oh, this is just kind of an ordinary space. And during the night, he has a dream and God speaks to him. He feels the presence of God and he wakes up. And this is what Jacob says. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Surely Joy was available for me and I was not aware of it. How many times can you look back in your life and say, surely the Lord was in my marriage and I was not aware of it. Surely God showed up for me when I was in my lowest moment. Surely the Lord was in my finances. Surely the Lord was in that terrible broken relationship that I thought he was so distant from me and I was not aware of it. What if there are opportunities to experience God's presence, to experience his joy, 
that are often, as Moses discovered, in the people and the places that we walk past every day, that are right in front of us. Joy is not some elusive thing that is out there. Often the the glimpses of joy that God wants to give you are right in front of you. But often we miss it. We do something called the when and then lie. Everybody say when. Everybody say then. When and then. It goes a little something like this. We grow up and we lose that childhood awe and wonder. We get to high school and we say, oh man, when I graduate, just get out of my parents' home. Then I will have real freedom. And then we get to college and say, well, this is great and everything, but now, now I got to get my degree. I got to get my job so I can grow up and be a real adult. And now I got that and I got to get the right job and get my, my soul filled up because I got to get the right job. And if I don't get the right job, then who am I? I got to get married because then I, now, now I need somebody to complete me. And so now I get married and now, you know, how hard can marriage be, right? And so I'm going to get married and now you complete me, Jerry Maguire. And Everything is great and I'm feeling really good, but now to be a real family and get those great pictures on social media, I gotta I gotta have kids because how hard can parenting be? And now I've got kids in the house and this is great and everything, and they grow up, but I can't wait till the kids get out of the house to get my freedom back. And now I'm an empty nester and everything's going well, and I gotta get ready for my retirement. I can't wait till I'm retired because then I'll have all this free time and it'll be great. I get to retired, I get to the end of my life, and I look back and say, Oh man, I missed it. I missed it because I thought joy was always out there in some big headline news moment of my life that I was trying to pursue. I missed it and actually joy was in the little moments every step along the way. Don't miss it, mom. Don't miss it, dad. Don't miss it, Hope Elam. (laughs) There's joy in the journey. There's joy in the journey. Don't miss it. It's a bumpy road, and I got offended, and I got misunderstood, and it's not exactly what I want. There's joy in the journey. I'm not feeling up to the task. I don't know if God can do this. The darkness is too great. I don't know if we can change our city. There's joy in the journey, Hope Elam. Don't miss it. God is doing something here, amen? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Instead, instead, I wonder, I wonder instead of saying I got everything I wanted and it wasn't enough, what if it was this? Those who experience the most joy are not those with the easiest lives, but those with the greatest awareness of God's presence. Every step along the way, ask Paul, ask Paul, back to Philippians. You still got your finger there? Maybe not. Flip back to Philippians. Paul has every reason to be bitter. Paul has every reason to be cynical. You know what he's been through, right? We've covered that. But instead, he's rejoicing in chapter 1 because instead of his letting his jail cell become a thief of joy, he's turned it into an opportunity. Look at verse 14. Paul says, because of my chains, because of this inconvenience in my life, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Instead of waiting, instead of wallowing in despair, Paul Paul says, takes a line from Moses. The ground is holy. Takes a line from Jacob. Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. But Paul says, I am aware of it because God's presence is here, meaning joy is available for me right here, right now. And he converts all of his fellow prison mates and some of the guards and they all start proclaiming the gospel. 
Paul didn't say, when I get out of jail, then I'll get on with my life. When I get out of prison, then the joy will be available. He said, I can experience joy right here, right now, in the middle of my circumstances. Amen? Joy is available to you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is joy. Living unaware can rob us of our joy. But in a more subtle way, the next thief of joy that I think a lot of us struggle with is comparison. Is comparison. See, one of the many dangers of our highly connected world of social media is that our feeds have become unintentional highlight reels. <laughs> Pastor Hurst and I love to talk about sports. We watch Sports Center, and you watch sports on TV, and what is it? It's highlight reels. It's just the highlights. You don't need to watch a three-hour game. That's the world we live in. I just go to Twitter and watch my seven-second clip of the guy dunking it. That's all I need, right? It's a highlight reel, and we get psychologically trained in our minds to think that life is lived in the highlight reels. The light, but, but that's not true. Life is not lived in the mountaintops. Life is lived in a bunch of ordinary moments in the valley. But what you and I do that robs us of, of, of our joy is that we compare our behind-the-scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Nothing will steal your joy faster than comparison. Well, they, they must be happy all the time. They must never argue with their spouse. They must never yell at their kids because I never see it online because you're only seeing the seven-second highlight reel. And our lives are lived in the ordinary day-to-day -day moments. If only my family connection was as good as theirs. If only I had that connection with my spouse, if our marriage was like that, if only our family was connected. Instead, the Bible speaks of a different starting place. Instead of comparison, you want a good launching place for joy? Contentment. Contentment. Paul talks about this a few chapters later in chapter 4. Same jail cell. Don't forget that. Same jail cell. Chapter 4, and Paul says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Oh, okay, John, I, I get it. What you're saying is if I really want to have joy this Christmas, then I'm really going to have joy. I just need to cover up whatever I'm feeling, you know, think positively and put on that happy church face. <laughs> Not at all. Contentment has been so dangerously defined in the church as shutting down your heart and killing your desire. Nothing could be less Christian. God gave you desire. He gave you a heart. He gave you a desire for more. Where do you take your desire for more? Instead, I love how author and pastor uh, Rich Velotis defines contentment this way. It's not shutting down your heart. Contentment is living free from the lie that having more of something makes you something more. More money, more friends, more applause, more gifts under the tree will never bring me more significance. Felt like God said something at the first service today and I just, I want to share it and maybe there's somebody that needs to hear this this morning. Some of you have the hardest time finding deep and true joy in your lives because it's based on getting the constant attention and approval of people that are incapable of meeting that need. Okay? 
I am, I am running and I'm running and I'm scratching and clawing. Did, did he look at me? Did she look at me? Did I get enough likes? Did I get enough approval? Did I get enough applause? And I'm craving it. Where is your identity at? A wise friend who happens to be a pastor at this church who preached a pretty sweet sermon last week, who shall rename nameless, reminded me of this a few weeks ago. I knew it here, but I need to be reminded of it here. He said, John, being a pastor is what you do. Being a husband and a father is who you are. And you can take that and put that in whatever season of life or context you are. That is where the joy is found. Because your identity is in who you are. Identity is bestowed to you by God. It is not earned or given to you by another human being. It is only given to you by God. Your identity and your value and your worth is who you are, not in what you have or what you do. You are a child of God. You are a son or daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are a son or daughter of the God of the universe. You can't get more significance than that. And yet we run around, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel valuable, nobody likes me, I don't feel significant. The God of the universe is rejoicing over you this morning. Maybe I'm not the only one that needs to hear that. He's delighting over you. He says, there's the boy, there's my daughter. I know things aren't perfect right now, I know they're messy in your life, I know you're hurting but I'm so, you got up, you came to worship, you're in front of your phone or your computer screen. I am rejoicing over you with singing. And that's where the joy comes from when you know that the God that made you is already approving of you. He delights in you. Receive that. You are more significant than you will ever know. You cannot get more significant than you are in this moment right now. Receive that as the gift of Christmas. That's why Paul says, I can be content in all circumstances. Why he could rejoice in a jail cell and say, nobody can take my joy away because it comes from him. Because it comes from him. Are you missing joy today? Replace comparison with contentment. Replace comparison with contentment. And who's better to teach us about that than, well, where we started? <laughs> Kids. Kids say the darndest things, and they do some of the most beautiful things. In this last clip, watches these kids from a local boys and girls club are presented with an impossible decision. They're given a gift, but it might not just be for them. And if you look a little bit deeper, by the way, it's okay to giggle in church. That's allowed here. Look past the laughter and look for a heart of contentment. I don't need it. I don't need it. Let's take a look. This year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer. Big, giant Barbie house. A trophy case. An Xbox 360. Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. My watches. So, we actually did buy an Xbox 360. What? 
it in the world? And what is this? Okay, and you, you really got this for me? A new laptop. Wow, it's a necklace. So we also bought a necklace because you said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself huh? or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer, oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. So it's either family or Legos, and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family, and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mom will get something. She helps me when I'm sick. She helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now I, I have the opportunity to give them something. Because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually going to go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and Why? thankful. Just happy. Thankful. For your family? For what? My family, everything. He did make his decision, actually. And oh he goodness. picked the Pandora Charms. Make me cry. So, what are you doing? Oh, it's for me. Oh, it's for you. Thanks, guys. I was crying too. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? Now, just a disclaimer you know the ages of my kids, and some of you have young kids, like, there ain't no way they're making that decision, right? <laughs> Let's give them the benefit of the doubt today. Um, here's the power of contentment. It frees us up to give extravagantly. When God fills me with his love and his joy and his peace, the most natural thing for me to do is give it away, is to overflow kids say, do I want that toy? <laughs> Absolutely. Do I, do I want the approval and the affection of people around me? Oh yeah, you better believe I do. I don't want you to misunderstand me today. I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask my wife how the sermon was. And if she says, eh, I'm going to lay on the floor the rest of the day. Okay. I crave that. I'm human. But my identity is not in my performance. My identity is not in what I do or what other people think about me or the opinions of others. But when I am full with him and his approval and his rejoicing over me, then I'm freed up, then I'm, then I'm full and so I can give away. 
than I, than, I, than I can give. And that's what we love about you as a church, the way that you give so generously, not just financially, but, but with your time and the way that you volunteer, even in really strange outfits. You still volunteer, and we're thankful for that. The way that you give of your time, especially this time of year, sponsoring over 50 families just like those in the video through Joy to the City. Praise God for your generosity. <laughs> Praise God. What if joy is found when you and I get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the needs of others? If you're feeling empty, maybe you've been staring at yourself for too long. God, help me get my eyes off of me and onto you and the needs of others. But there is an elephant in the room today because the third thief of joy that I think a lot of us struggle with is probably the most difficult one, and that's pain. Some of you are like saying, that's a really, really cute sermon, John. Joy, you have no idea what I'm up against right now. Some of you are worshiping online and you feel so far away and distant. Maybe you're here today. John, that is a great sermon and everything like that, but joy, contentment, you have no idea. It just seems like sort of a naive, cheap joy to me. I have no idea what you're going through this morning, but he does. But he does. And I love how one of the greatest theologians of all time, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, says this. Just breathe this in this morning. The joy, the joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. And that is why it is invincible it is irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but finds God in the midst of it precisely there. Precisely there. Amen. Have you ever stopped to consider that maybe Jesus was born on a manger to show that joy can be birthed out of poverty and that maybe Jesus died on a cross so that you would know joy can be found in the midst of excruciating pain? He is showing you how to live. He is showing you the kind of God he is. I am with you in the mess. I was born into a mess, into a feeding trough, and my joy is available for you, not outside of your circumstances, but right in the middle of it this morning. Joy doesn't pretend that the pain isn't real. It says, I've got my hope in something far more lasting. For where you place your hope will determine your joy. Where you place your hope will determine your joy. This morning, how do you find and keep joy? You latch your heart to the unshakable, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where it's found. That's where it's found. But we don't want to just talk about it this morning. There's a lot of joy in the room today. And so if you feel comfortable, even if you don't, feel comfortable, if you don't feel like singing, we're going to do it anyway. Because here's what the Bible says. I don't worship when I feel joy. When I worship, God sends his joy to me and I experience his presence. In your presence, Lord, is the fullness of joy. And he wants to give you that this morning as his gift this Christmas. So wherever you're at, sit, stand, kneel. The band's going to come out and we are going to worship together. Joy has come. Merry Christmas, everybody.